Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Another episode of Ramble with Russell, show 469 on my podcast, the home of intelligent rambling right here on the Talk Shoe Network. Got a terrific show lined up for you today where a variety of reviews for your listening pleasure. Going to start things off by a brand new horror release, courtesy of the great folks at Anchor Bay. It is Martyrs, where a young woman's revenge takes a deadly turn. Then we go from a really pissed off woman to a really curious dinosaur. With the latest venture of Disney and Pixar, it is The Good Dinosaur, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Video. Then we go from there, from the, the age of the dinosaurs to the, the semi-extinction of mankind, sort of, as you do the next chapter of The Leftovers Season 2 on Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers Home Video. And then we go from there to a 1980s classic on iTunes. It is pretty in pink. One of the early John Hughes movies. I know I sung that really bad, but I don't care. That's all on this episode of Ramble with Russell. So I'm going to take a little musical interlude right out for the first review of the show. First Blu-ray movie review for this episode is Martyrs, courtesy of Anchor Bay Home Entertainment. Now, this is a, a remake of a horror movie which I haven't seen the original. I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's what it is. So I have no really basis to say, well, this is so much better than the original, or the original is so much better. I don't know. I don't have time to watch everything. And, and so that is the way it is. The story revolves around kind of two two people, really. A young girl called Lucy, who's introduced very early in the movie as a survivor of some kind of weirdo kidnapping. Now, we get introduced to her early on, and we get to see a bit of her childhood where she gets introduced to her friend Anna, who is who 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 quickly befriends her and they and they have a friendship that lasts a good ten years. So we skip forward ten years in the movie, and 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 we discover uh, you know a twenty-ish year old Lucy uh, saying paying a visit to to a house, and she quickly kills the whole family, thinking that you know that her her logic is well that you know the the parents were involved and the kids knew something, so she brutally slaughters this family and you're thinking hello you know maybe there's something severely wrong with this girl and that's played by uh trojan balisario and she's like whoop so so she does this realizes she's in big shit because she has calls her best friend anna who's now played by bailey noble and says you know i really need your help you know i have to prove to you that i was right in killing these people um, so she calls Anna over, and Anna's like, well, you know, kind of wicking out that, that, that her friend just slaughtered some people, and, and so that happens, and then as the movie goes on, Anna begins to realize that maybe Lucy isn't as nutso butso as we come to believe, and, and they find that, you know, that there's real danger in this house, and, and both of them now have to fight for their survival, uh, this is a, a very gritty movie. I'm going to tell you, right off the bat, it's like, wow, did I just bloody well see that? And yes, apparently I did. Now, a lot of the violence, though, they're very smart in this. A lot of the violence is kind of off camera. There's a shot involving a bed, and you see kind of blood trickle out, but you don't really see, you know, what's under the bed. And that's, 
you know, that, you know, so they, they, they tone it down and then they don't tone it down sort of thing. Uh, this is the kind of movie that, that's semi-slow to start, but kind of picks up near it, near it. Now, for the most part, there's nobody in this movie that I've heard of before. And, and keep that in mind. Sometimes that helps in a movie. Sometimes you get an added bit of realism in a movie because it's like, oh, I've never seen these actors before. So I have no preconceived, you know, issues of, of how they should act and how they should be. That, that helps in some indie movies. In this one, you know, even though the two female leads are, are good in the roles, I, I, I don't, it couldn't have hurt, you know, in this one, to maybe throw in just a little more kind of extra star power. There is Kate Burton in this one, but beyond that, there's not a lot of names I recognize. And if I'm wrong in that, you know, call me ignorant, and, and you can call me out on it if you want. But but there wasn't really too many, you know, big recognizable names. And I think if they throw maybe a couple more in there, maybe it, it, it would seem like a bigger picture. Uh, when it comes to this, there there isn't really um, any. It, there is a a a martyr's first look. That is the only really extra with this. There's no audio commentary. There's no really making of per se. The first look is just a little bit of a tease in the cast, uh, you know, crew kind of talking about the movie. Uh, more of a teaser than anything else, but not really a how we made this movie movie. So that's all you get with extras. It, it is a a different sort of film. I, I don't think I've seen this before. You know, a tortured girl coming back to seek revenge kind of deal. Uh, so so the plot is different. Um, whether it's your cup of tea, you know, I don't know. I mean, it it is it is a it does kind of turn into a survival movie near the end, and the ending is just kind of there. Uh, I don't know. You can interpret it how you want of it, but mm, uh, I think it could have been a little different. But that that's me as, as a movie viewer. If you're looking for something different, sure, uh, I will give credit to the two main actresses. I think they definitely have potential, and they should do another movie together. They, they have a good chemistry, and, 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 and they work well together, and I think that... Um, they, you know, if that was smart, I'd do some more movies as a team. I think that works. If you're looking for a horror movie that's a little different, and and this one is, um, this is also made by the same people who did The Conjuring and Annabelle. Now, I haven't seen those movies, so it it's hard for me totally to compare. But um, but you know, it, it is what it is. It, it's it's different. Uh, but it, whether it's your cup of tea, I'll, I'll let you decide on that one. So that is my take of Martyrs on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Anchor Bay Home Entertainment.
This episode is The Good Dinosaur, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Video. Now, this is the latest in the Pixar series of movies. Now, lately, you know, one of my complaints of a lot of the animated movies has been they're not directed at me. And I'm not saying everything should be done to direct at Rusty. No, no, no. But the last few things, uh, both Inside Out and Home... I feel the target audience is young, teenage, tweeny girls, and not guys, older dudes. So I, I watched those movies and went, well, I'm not really the audience they're going for anymore. So I was, I was cautiously optimistic and thinking, okay, maybe this is a movie. It's got dinosaurs. It's got a young little boy. Maybe it's not so chicky flicky. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So I was going into that thinking, okay, Pixar, come on, bring me back. Bring me back to a movie like I really enjoyed, like The Incredibles. That's, that's a great Pixar movie. So I really wanted to have that back. Um, and, and so in this one, I think they succeeded a little more than they do in the previous outing. In this one, uh, you, you, you follow a, form, a family of dinosaurs, uh, kind of um, the, 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 the fat body, long necky ones. And I know you say, hey, Russ, they write dinosaur name. No, I'm not going to because I don't care. Uh, but th- they're those kind, right? Big bodies, long necks, long tail. So you follow this family. They, they introduce them early on where you have a mama dinosaur, a papa dinosaur, and three kids. And the main kid is Arlo. And he is kind of the, the runt of the litter, although they tease it in a funny way. And, and, he, and he's constantly in this movie trying to prove to himself. Well, this movie has very much a Lion King moment in this. I don't want to spoil things for you people. I'm trying to be, you know, I, I'm not that way in the show. But there's there's a spoilery moment, a Lion King moment in this movie where with Arlo and his dad, and that forces the poor kid to try to help find his way back home and, and prove himself. Along the way, he meets a young human call, he calls Spot. Now, the premise of this movie is simple. What if... That, that meteor that came by millions of years ago, instead of impacting the Earth, kind of went whew, and blew past us. And, and dinosaurs evolved, but humans didn't. So humans stayed. Uh, so, so, the, so it's like, let's pick up the point where dinosaurs got smarter and humans just stayed monkey people. And, and so Arlo discovers this little uh, seemingly lost boy, which he calls Spot, and he adopts him as a pet. So in this one, and, and they even admit this in the, in the extras, the, the, you know, dinosaurs are, are, are aggregating and farming and stuff, and they go, yeah, really, that didn't happen. But for the sake of the story, it does. So you have 
that kind of thing where Arlo is is trying to make his way home. Along the way, he he stumbles into a family of T-Rexes, which surprisingly don't want to eat him. You know. Uh, and, 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 and he has many adventures. Now, keep in mind, Pixar is, is the masters of pulling their heartstrings. And I'll cite you Toy Story 3 for that. Uh, even Toy Story 2. Um, so they, they definitely do this in this one. Although I found this movie, it wasn't so much directed, oh, well, I have to be a young female to appreciate it. It's a nice little adventure story. Uh, there, there are some kind of gross-out moments in it. I will, I will warn you for kids, parents of very small children. There's one point where it involves a bug and its brains, and there's also a point where where there's some mean pterodactyls that like eating things. And I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna. There's a moment there where I'm going, oh. Wow, did they just animate that? And yeah, they did. So keep that in mind. Uh, so there may be just a few kind of like, did you really have to put that? Did you really have to put that on camera? Uh, uh, on it. Maybe I'm just being picky, but hey, somebody's got to look out for little kids. And it's got to be me. Uh, so <laughs> that. Uh, overall, uh, very nicely done. Uh, Pixar just... Is amazing, and what they did with this movie, they they did water effects in this movie that are really incredible. That seemed to be the focus. Look at this fancy stuff we can do with water now in three D and CG and all that shit. So CGI. So there you go. For extras, you do get the the animated short which premiered with the movie uh, Sanjay's um, Super Team. Once again, with with these animated shorts, it's very low in dialogue. There's a bit of dialogue, but there ain't much, and it's mostly just action. But it's it's a cute little m- movie, but don't expect a lot of dialogue in it. For other extras, you get a lot of behind the scenes, a lot of look at making the movie. One of the things they they leave out again, and this is so annoying, and I don't know why they 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 don't do this. Nothing on the voice actors in this movie. I mean, the most famous voice actor I know of in this one is Francis McDormand who plays the Mama Dino. All the other ones it's like, I don't really have heard half of you people and the names aren't really jumping out to me, so okay. But there's there's none of that in it. Uh, which is a shame. I, I kind of, you know, I like to hear from voice actors. So, so we don't have, um, we don't have that in it. And there's no um, audio commentary either. And it would have been nice if, if the directors would have done that. The, the, the featurettes give you like, this was a long journey to make the movie and a lot of stuff, but th- there's no um, this lacking in that. And I, I just wish they would put more you know, if you have an animated feature, do a featurette on the voice actors. I want to hear what their interpretations of it. I want to see them doing the lines and stuff. But no. That ain't important anymore. Uh, as as a, a Pixar movie, yeah, it, it delivers. It's, it's a nice dinosaur movie. You just gotta say, okay, there are some gross scenes that could have been cut. So, other than that, it's a sweet movie. has a really sweet ending. And at one point, it'll probably make you cry. So, just a warning there. Overall, uh, a fun movie, worth uh, worthy being Pixar, and nice to see something that isn't just too cheeky directed for a change. So that is my take of The Good Dinosaur on Blu-ray, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Video.
show on Blu-ray Review Plus episode is The Leftovers, Season 2, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Video. Now, this is the second season of The Leftovers. This is another one of these shows where you really have to watch the first season to get into the second. You can kind of jump in, but you're missing out on the first season in a lot of character development and, and, and relationships that really gets built in Season 1. In Season 2, we kind of have the aftermath of Season 2, of 1, where in the end of Season 1, slight spoiler here, Mapleton gets, you know, pretty wrecked. And so the Garveys, uh, considering uh, Kevin, Jill, uh, Nora, Durst, and, and the, the new little baby Lily that was introduced in the first season, they all kind of pack up the trucks and they move to Jardin. Miracle, that is. And, and so they go to the town of Jardin in Texas, uh, where, where where it's nicknamed Miracle, because this is the only town where nobody left in the departure day. So this town had no victims from the two percent. So so everybody kind of so the town essentially has been turned into like a national park. And Nora and the and, and gang decide to go there to kind of start over. Now Kevin wants to just go there, you know, for a few months and kind of test things out. But as soon as they get there, Nora goes all in and 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 buys a house because their their rental uh, property they secured had burned down. So she goes all in to 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 buy a, a house there, much to the chagrin of of, of Kevin, because he's just saying, I just wanted to test and you know uh, make a major commitment here. So while they're doing that, uh, of course, Lori Garvey uh, has has gone off with with the, with um, with her son Tom and they in this season start a method of of trying to re detox people from the guilty remnant. This in this season Lori does a lot more talking although she isn't on the show that often. But so so she she recruits Tom to kind of infiltrate the guilty remnant Find people that are kind of weak, kind of on the edge, maybe don't want to be there. And he, she uses Tom to yank these people out of there and into her own little built support group. And and by this time, she's kind of started her own novel to try to, you know, I think therapy more than anything, to try to express her time within that organization. Uh, also, uh, meanwhile, in season two, Kevin is is haunted by Patty and... Slight spoiler here, but something really bad happens to Patty in season one, and 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 her, and somehow, and they don't really explain this because this is a t- typical David Lindelof story in that he he won't like a lost boy. You, something will just happen. We won't we want to explain it. it just so. so Patty becomes uh, uh, a very contributing force in this season and forces Kevin to take very drastic measures. To to get rid of her now. In moving to Jarden, we always get introduced to a a brand new cast, so it's very much a a change of theme for the show. In that the when the Garveys move to uh, to Jarden, they their new next door neighbors are the Murphys. That's um so that's John and um, so so the Murphy family. So you have the the father, the mother, and um. And um, yeah, Erica, John, and their daughter Evie, and their their and their older teenage son as well too. So they move next door, and and literally, not not a day goes by they move next door, and Evie and a couple of her friends just disappear, and and that mystery doesn't get solved until the very end. Now, one of the biggest things changes not just additional cast. And 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 new location stuff. Also, uh, also coming, also making the way to Jarden is 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 Reverend Matt and his wife Molly. Uh, again, Christopher Eccleston replies in his role as Matt. He goes on a bit of a journey this season too. Not so. The one other thing that was new this season, not just the town, not just new cast members, is the theme song. I have to talk about this because this was very jarring. What I too did, because as I said in the review of season one, the first season one theme song was epic. It was, it was you know, very dark and 
and and and such a good piece of inst- instrumental really set the tone for the show. Well, in season two, they said, you know what, new town, new tone. Although the old tone kind of creeps in, so they changed the theme song completely and changed it to some hokey singer. She's singing like this: it's a mystery, and it's never been found. Doot 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 doot, and it's so annoying. It's like. You take the Indigo Girls and you make them sound even effing more cornier than they already are, and you have this chick, okay? And and so I was so annoyed by her. I had to look her up, and 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 she's had a few hits here and there, and 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 this song is a song that's been published before, and they just made it work for the show. And and I saw a cover for this song done by Natalie Mergent and the and the, and the Maniacs, and and I'd rather. I'd rather have Natalie Merchant's version than this chick. It is so grating that, unlike the first season, where I generally didn't skip the intro, I skip it. Thank Christ for the next button, because I go, next, yeah, I don't want to, you know. And and, and the, the visuals are, instead of that great kind of um, mosaic thing, it's it's this really hokey something you can put together in, in, in PowerPoint with images. Uh, uh, people being departed. So, so, yeah. And and I've been reading stuff online, and there's some people that go, oh, I did love the new theme song. And other people like me that go, yeah, this is lame and stupid. Please change it back for season three. Can, can we go back to what we had before? Because it was great, and this is still a dark show. I mean, for all the goodness and light that this song does do, uh, th- there are many... Many dark moments in the show. If you think that, oh, well, Leftovers is going to be all good. (laughs) No, it's not. It's still a very dark show. There are things that happen. You're going, don't. And and, um, that that happens, all right? There are some very gruesome things in this show. So it's not the Happy Fun Sand show, which makes the theme you think it is. Um, so there's that. Now, one of my gripes with Season 2 on video, and I don't know why they did this, is I would love to talk to you about all the really fun extras that are on this season, like they did in Season 1, where they buttloaded you full of stuff. But no, nothing. Donata, Zippo, Squat, nothing. No extras in Season 2. No audio commentaries. No teases for Season 3. No making of featurettes. Donata, Zippo, do nothing. And I don't get that. I don't get why they do that. Why you can have a great first season uh, set and lots of extras, and then season two is Butkus. I don't get that. The only thing I can think is, and I've said this before with other shows, that maybe when they when it's all said and done and they do a complete series release, that maybe, magically, extras for Season 2 will appear then. Until then, I don't know. Uh, I could see that happening. You know, video studios can be kind of, you know, sneaky about making people double dip. And that that's a way to do it. So, we'll see. I, I you know, I've aired the suspicion on other stuff I've reviewed on this podcast. So, we'll take that with a grain of salt. Uh, overall, I liked the, the, the general direction that Leftover Season 2 went. It, it really it, it went a lot to uh, exploring the characters. Now, mind you, there's a lot of characters that get left behind. Unfortunately, we get a little bit of Kevin's father in this, but, but he really plays a, a semi-minor role in this season. He really is kind of pushed aside. And, and and that's a shame, you know, um, with, with it. So, and the new additions to the cast, I think they went well. The man who plays John Murphy, he does intense, really, really well. And and that's bully for him. I have to give credit to to Christopher Eccleston uh, because the, there's a side of him we see in this show which we never ever saw in Doctor Who. For all you fangirls out there, okay? For all you little Doctor Whoits, Whoians out there, 
who who are who just went gaga over Eccleston when he was Doctor Who. Have you ever wondered what a certain part of him looks like? If you were ever curious and said, I wonder. Well, this show, uh, Leftover Season 2, will answer that burning question of yourself. So, <laughs> keep that in mind. This is not a PG show. It is still uh, a very R show, a very adult show for nudity, both male and female. They don't play favorites. Uh, violence and content. So, keep that in mind. Uh, I do like the the, the payoff for for uh, Evie and her friends' disappearance in season two, I wasn't sure whether where they're going to go with that. I wasn't sure it was even going to get resolved by the end of the season, but it does in a very interesting way. And the second season, slight spoiler here, does end very similar to the first, but it it also sets up, you know. Where, where do we go for season three? Do we stay in Jarden? I don't know, because by the end of the season, Jarden ain't looking too good. Do we continue with this town and explore the, the aftermath, what happened at the end of season, episode 10 of season two? Or do we just like season one, just pick up our trucks and move to another town? I don't know. Uh, I'm very curious to see where this third season will go with the show. And, and who stays? And who goes, and maybe what new people gets introduced. Because there's a lot of, some questions were answers, but there's a lot of open things. And this is definitely, you know, I would hate for this to be the series finale. Because you do get some bit of closure, but there's still a lot of open things left to go in these characters. Points as well go to the actor who plays Kevin Garvey. Uh, he, he just... Another great season for him and and then and, and the actress who plays Nora as well. She has some really good, really intense moments in this show. Uh, I think this is uh, a really fun show. I'm glad I discovered it. And it's it's definitely worth checking out if you can just get past the very annoying Season 2 theme song. So that is my take of Leftovers Season 2 on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Home Video. One question and is I just too late? Bow ties and the backseat of my car. Just tell me if I go a little too far. Oh, there she goes. She's laughing with her friends Oh, there she goes I'm alone again Here we are in the same exact place If I touch your boob You go for the maze Just left my job and I just got paid Do you think there's a chance I just might get laid Whoa, whoa, whoa there she goes She's laughing with her friends Oh, there she goes I'm alone again I'm alone again Alone again Alone again Alone again Alone again Alone again 
My movie on iTunes review for this episode is Pretty in Pink. Courtesy of Paramount Home Video. Now we're going back in the Wayback Machine, way back to 1986 for this review. Now, this was one of the very early movies of John Hughes. And if you know your movies, you know that John Hughes went on to write a pile of movies, including, of course, uh, the Home Alone stuff. So this is very early, early in his career. And also very early in the career for the stars of the movie, Molly Ringwald, who played Andy, um, John Cryer, who played Ducky, Annie Potts, who played Iona, and James Spader, who played Steph, and Andrew McCarthy, who played Blaine. It's very early in their careers. Prior to this, Molly Ringwald had only done 16 Candles before this movie. And and then, of course, there, there, there was The Breakfast Club as well. So she was just getting started in this. Um, she had The Breakfast Club after Pretty Pink. And and this was the the start kind of of her career. She was kind of discovered by John Hughes, and the part was actually written for Molly Ringwald in mind. So the the part was really written for her. And as I said, the other actress, John Cryer, really hadn't done much before this. And and um, Andrew McCarthy was of course in Saint Elmo's Fire. That was his biggest thing before that. And even even Dave and even. Um, James Spader had done a, a, a TV series, but really hadn't done any major movies until this point. So all these guys were kind of in the really start of their career. And it's kind of funny to look back at this and look at the big-haired douchebag James Spader of 86 and compare him to the cool-headed, douche, no, no-haired douchebag of Blacklist today. It, it's amazing the transformation of this actor and and where he's gone in all these years, so so and this is the kind of movie that I'd heard about for the longest time, but never really had a chance to see before. And I'm always up for anything in the 1980s because mostly it's music I I like with an old 80s movie. And I don't I don't review a lot of rom coms in on the show because it's not really my favorite genre. But uh, this came across, and I thought I I would check this out. Now, as I said, this is an 80s movie, so there's lots of 80s music in this. We have New Order in there. We have the the title track, Pretty in Pink, sung by the Psychedelic Furs. You have a lot of 80s in here and a lot of synth music. Also, in this one as well, Annie Potts is in this. This is before she, um, after she did Ghostbusters. And and it's really kind of funny to see Annie so young. You know, she, her career would go on to do a ton of movies and TV shows. But this was right in between Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2. So, and the outfits they make Annie wear. There's one, it's like a, a black rubber outlet. It's almost spandexy, latexy. And they make her wear this with her hair completely spiked up. And it is such... Uh, 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 a costume. In the extras, she talks about it was really hard to get in and out of. And I can well imagine that was one tricky outfit. But she was at an age where she pulls it off really well. For a movie that's almost um, 30 years, actually it is 30 years old today, uh, this year, it, it has aged well in that it it, it is a very much a, a movie of its time. It does Show its age, of course, when you have, you know, no teenagers with cell phones. You have the old style phones, you know, on the wall, the old push button ones. And so technology and vehicles and fashion kind of age this a little. Uh, You have to give credit to Molly Ringwald. She really kind of acts her heart out. Also in this one is Harry Dean Stanton. She played Molly Ring. he, He plays Molly Ringwald's dad. And he's a good kind of supportive dad this story is very much here's this kind of poor kid of andy and she falls for the rich kid blaine and it's very much a poor kid trying to fit into a rich kid's world meanwhile she has this friend ducky played by john crier who has known her for years and has been pining for her, but she just considers ducky a friend quote which is like oh i'm just a friend so you have that where she kind of has to decide, do you want to stick with the poor kid or do you want to still pursue the rich kid? So it's very much a class society f- film. For the uh, featurettes, and you do get quite a bit uh, for, for bang for your buck when it comes to iTunes, 
you get um, um, quite a few uh, featurettes. Now, these these are um, kind of they're they're called like visiting the prom again, and these are dated back in two thousand and six. Uh, these <laughs> featurettes, and what's interesting about these is they they show the talking to the actors and the director back in eighty five, and then they flash forward to two thousand six, and you get to see how these actors age in these featurettes. Now, one of the things I noticed about these featurettes, although they talk about them. And talk about two people. You never see an interview on either of these people on these featurettes. Uh, you have a, almost a, a full cast, except in crew, except for the, except for John Hughes and no James Spader. And I don't know why. It's really weird. They talk about him and they talk about his character, but there's no flashback of him in '85 and then him in 2006 talking about the role. And that's that's weird. I, I always find it weird when, when you have featurettes and you have most of the cast, you know, in them, but not certain members or, or no, you know, people of the main people of the crew and stuff. And I always thought that's, you know, that's uh, almost incomplete. You, you, would, you would like to have seen that in this release. So you get um, a making up pretty in pink uh, for the first time. You get Zoids in the Richies. This is. The culture clash they talk about. A prom queen all about Holly, uh, Molly. So it's about her character in the movie. Um, volcanic ensembles. This is about the costuming in this particular show. Uh, prom stories. These are the cast and crew reminiscing about their prom night they personally had. Favorite scenes. This is kind of like a jukebox of scenes where you can just jump and look at just favorite scenes isolated. Commentary by the director, which is cool, Howard Deutsch, who, who's all in the um, the feature edifice. And although it would have been nice to have John Hughes in there, but again, not part of this release at all. A, a wrap-up, the epilogue. The, the, this is a feature edit where they show a different ending to the movie. There was an ending that was originally written for the movie. They filmed it, didn't like it, and ended up with the one that you see when you watch it. So you can decide on which one you would have liked better and then a photo gallery as well and then you also get the original ending so they show what the original ending could have been for the movie so that's kind of neat that that they give you all these extras in this release if you're feeling nostalgic if you're feeling like hey i want to go back to see a rom-com of the 1980s and see these actors really young like john crier man he was such a kid back then. And, and you want to relive this and just the music and, and some of the very interesting fashion choices. Yeah, check this out. If you want something with more action, be my guest. Um, but this is more of a, a rom-com. And then you can decide whether or not you like the ending that they put out or would you have gone with the one they originally wrote. What one did you like better? And you can make that decision for yourself. Overall, good Early performances by a lot of these actors, and many of whom are still working today. John Cryer, you know, two and a half men. It just look at the run that show had. And um, so, yeah, it's it, an early look and, and the career of a lot of very young actors. And Spader, you know, still working today uh, at the very start of their career. So that is my take of Pretty in Pink on iTunes, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. things up for this edition of the show hope you all enjoyed it as always you can touch me the number of ways you can check me out on twitter i'm at rambling russ at r-a-m-b-l-i-n-g-r-u-s-s tweet me and i'll tweet you back i appreciate all the new retweets and favorites i get on twitter and all the followers that choose to follow follow me it's very much appreciated of course if you check out social media you can also check me out on facebook i'm I have my own fan page on Facebook. Just search Rambled Russell in the search engine. You'll find me there. I've been noticing more views lately. So I will get on to posting some more stuff on Facebook. I will post uh, soon an entry including the artwork of the movie book that I reviewed last week. And hopefully more books from DK on the way in the near future. 
Um, as well, of course, check out all the new episodes right here in the Talk Shoe Network. I'm caller ID 18411. That is my show number. You can look me up right there in the search engine if you're looking for me. And I encourage you to put any comments on my comment section on my main page on Talk Shoe. Now, and that's all the, the recent shows from August 2013 to today. Anything earlier than that, you need to go back to my Libsyn page at http, http full colon backslash backslash ramblingrust.libsyn.com. That is where I have over I have all my shows from May 2006 right up until August 2013 right there in Libsyn for you to check out. I encourage you to see, uh, check out my older shows. We have lots of interviews, reviews, and convention coverage right there on that website. Uh, so that is where you'll find me. And, of course, you can find me uh, as well on iTunes, just like Pretty in Pink, under Podcast. Just type in Ramble Russell. You'll find all my older shows right there on iTunes as well. So that is it for me this week. Uh, next week, I'm not sure uh, for once what I'm going to review. Maybe some video games uh, because I've been kind of lacking on that. Maybe I'll try to um, finish uh, The Revenant. Are uh, the 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 book which became a movie. Um, try to finish that uh, this coming week. I'm not sure. Uh, I have a lot of stuff kind of upcoming on on the way. Hopefully from Paramount, from Disney, Anchor Bay, and a bunch of other people. And maybe that will be part of next week's review. I'm not sure. It's just one of those weeks I can't completely tell you what I have in mind because I'm not sure yet. It happens. Not too often, but it happens. So just keep listening. I'll have something for you on next week's show. Because uh, there is some stuff coming up. I just don't know when I'm going to get it. Get it, get it, get it. Um, that is all I know at this point. Anyway, that's it for me, and we'll catch you next time right here on Ramble with Russell. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.